Hello and welcome to the Manage Self Lead Others podcast, mainly for experienced and aspiring people managers. I'm your host, Nina Sunday, and this is the show to help you explore ways to become the best version of yourself at work as a manager. Each episode, you'll hear from some of the brightest minds on the planet who share your passion to elevate and transform team culture. They'll share insights in self-leadership and leading others. Together, we can make workplace culture better. Are you ready? Because it's time to manage self-lead others. In a world where trust has become currency in the new economy, Ari Galpa is the world's number one authority on trust-based selling. Endless chasing can be a dehumanizing process, and Ari is on a mission to reinvent sales by anchoring values of integrity and trust through trust-based selling. In his book, Unlock the Sales Game, Ari describes why having a mindset focusing on getting to the truth instead of getting the sale is ironically 10 times more profitable. He's been featured in CEO Magazine and Forbes. Welcome, Ari Galpa. Well, thanks for tuning into the Manage Self Lead Others podcast, and uh, I'm your host, Nina Sunday, and today we have the brilliant and extraordinary Ari Galpa, who I've worked with. He's taught me a lot about sales, and I'm still using many of your techniques, uh, the ones that I learned, so that's fantastic. And um, so I understand that you know, something has changed in the sales game and that's what appealed to me about your whole system is where potential clients in the past would just play play games with you. And I remember you told a story about when you were managing a sales team and with a, in a software company and you made a call that changed your perspective. Can you tell our listeners about that, please, Ari? Sure, sure. So uh, as you know, I specialize in trust-based selling, which is how to speed up the sales process based on trust, not based on chasing people. I've been in the opposite direction. Uh, and the story behind this is 20 years ago, I was a sales manager in a software company and we launched the first online website data collection tools. Now it's called um, Google Analytics. Uh, it's, it's a free tool. People know about that. But we, we sold it uh, years ago and I was managing 18 people underneath at the time. And I got the leads that came across my desk for big opportunities. And one lead came across my desk. I called in contact back. Great conversation. It was a really big company, multiple websites. And if I close this one sale, it'll double turnover in one go. That's how big it was. Big opportunity. So the, the he agreed to a conference call and a demo to show him, have him show him our product. And we agreed to a four o'clock Friday afternoon meeting. And the day finally came. And I was in the conference room with my CEO. I closed the door behind me, big long conference table. On the middle of the table, a speakerphone, the old kind of Starship three legs speakerphones. And uh, I dialed the number for the conference call. He picks it up. He says, hey, Ari. I said, hey, John, how's it going? Good. He says to me, let me tell you, Ari, let us tell you who's with us on the line today. I said, great. Didn't know it'd be someone else there. Next thing in my ear is, my name is John. I'm CEO. I was like, oh, this is good. My name is Mike. I'm head of global IT. This is even better. My name is Julie. I'm head of global marketing. This is fantastic. I mean, everybody on this call, Nina, was basically a decision maker. Like, this is a call, hopefully, as often as possible, because it's going to happen. It's going to happen today. This is where it's all there. So I introduced myself, then gave him a demo over the web of our tool of, of statistics, calling their, uh, gathering their website behavior. And I'm showing this to them live and describing to them. And, and I heard there is noise on the phone call, like, wow, this is great. This is amazing. It's fantastic. We love this. They started asking me all kinds of questions. How does it work? How do we install it? And of course, 
I had all the right kind of answers. I was competent. I was friendly. I wasn't pushy. There was so much chemistry on this phone call, Nina. It was like a love fest on the phone. You know what I'm talking about? Like I have had calls like that where you think it's in the bag. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, there was no resistance. It was like question, answer, question, answer. And they were happy. I was happy. An hour goes by. And uh, we say our goodbyes, and my contact says to me, Ari, this is great. We love it. Look, give us a call a couple of weeks, follow up with us, and we'll move this thing forward. I said to myself, oh, thank you, God. What an amazing ending. And so I said my goodbyes. I took my arm and my hand, and I reached for the phone in the middle of the table. As I'm reaching for the off button on the speakerphone, by complete accident, I hit the mute button instead of the off button. They were right next to each other. Easy to happen. <laughs> and a small click happened, and they thought I hung up the phone. In that small second, a voice inside of me says, Ari, go to the dark side. Be a fly in the wall. Listen, you got nothing to lose. And I pulled my thumb back for a couple of moments. They started talking amongst themselves, thinking I had left the call. Now, what you probably expect to hear on a call like that, you probably expect to hear things like, hey, this is great. Let's discuss moving forward. This is a great- We gotta have this guy. We need him. Exactly. That's what you expect after an hour of a love fest like that. But let me tell you right now what I heard Word for word, I'll never forget it's while we're all here today. What I heard was this. I heard, we're not going to go with him. Keep using him for more information and make sure we shop someplace else cheaper. Knife and heart twist. I was in a state of shock. I, I finally hit the off button and I looked at the wall and said to myself, what did I do wrong? I was friendly. I was competent. I was professional. I wasn't aggressive. And the first big epiphany hit me, and that was this. You can tell me if you're good at this or not. The somewhere along the way, it has become socially acceptable not to tell the truth to people who sell. Right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's unbelievable, isn't it? It's okay to say things like, sounds good. Send me information. Oh, we're definitely interested. Wait, send me a proposal because we want to look at your offering without having any intention of what? No intention of buying, and not only that, you're just one of the other two proposals they have to get in order to buy the one that they already know they want to get. Exactly. And then I asked myself this question. Why were they afraid just to tell me the truth of where I stood? I'd be happy with the truth. Why chase people who aren't going to buy anyways? And that's when I had the big epiphany, and that was this. I realized there isn't this flow of of kind of pressure that flows underneath every step of your process with a a prospect pre-sale. And every call you have with someone and you can't see it and they can't see it, but it's there. And if you aren't aware of the pressure and you don't take the pressure out of the process, what will happen is they'll feel comfortable giving you drips and drabs, breadcrumbs to keep you interested in the hope you might pursue them. And that's when the game gets very dysfunctional. We're chasing leads. They don't call you back and prospects and numbers game. And it comes, it comes dehumanizing to play the game like these people without getting the truth. So that's why I came up by Unlock the Game approach 20 years ago, designed to build deep trust of people to create what I call a window of vulnerability, where they feel comfortable opening up to you and telling you what they stand because they trust you over somebody else. And that's the whole pivot here, is how do you put trust back in your sales process so you're not playing the numbers game that everyone hates so much? And not only that, Ari, um, I... I, I... I look at some of the old emails that I used to send before I went through your process and I shudder at how, yeah, it was pressure. It was like, you know, and I'll be calling you soon and I'll be looking, you know, have you got the go-ahead yet? It's like, oh, what what was that all about? 
Yeah, you'd be surprised. We'll do some, we'll share some today, some, some triggers, some languaging behaviors we still use unconsciously that cause the other people to push back on us. Yes, that's right. That's right. I, I, I actually always remember, I used to, I have this favourite uh, closing question that I actually got from Stephen Schiffman, if you know that. Uh, he's a long-time salesperson. It makes sense to me to, for me, uh, go, you know, go ahead, what do you think? And I taught that to my salesperson and we went to uh, a one-on-one meeting with, at, the, at one of the big banks and instead of her saying it makes sense to me, what do you think, she said, you should go ahead, like <laughs> full stop. And in that instant I knew we'd lost the sale and we right. did. Yeah. See, what we do is we're so conditioned to move somebody from to a next step. The moment we, feel, we sense an opportunity, we break trust right there by preempting it. So we'll talk today about how to be aware of your own behavior, sabotaging your own sales process. Well, you do talk about changing the language and using the vocabulary. So what do you recommend that people, salespeople not say or and do say? Sure. So we developed our own what we call trust-based languaging. Words or phrases use to replace typical sales scripting and typical languaging. Let me give you an example. Um, let's do a scenario right now. Let's say you're on the phone with somebody first, first conversation, and the call is going well, good chemistry, good fit, and they're qualified. Call comes to an end. Normally, what we do in sales is we say something like, hey, how about we move forward, have a cup of coffee, next step, go to a meeting. We're designed to move things forward towards a sale. Correct. But what happens if you attempt to move things forward and they aren't ready yet? What do you break with them right there early in your process? Trust, yeah, and trust, exactly. Yeah. So same scenario, our approach and our languaging. Call is going well, good chemistry, call comes to an end. Rather than saying, hey, how about we move forward? What we say instead is this. We say, where do you think we should go from here? Can I say something, Ari? I used that this morning in an email with a client who was ready to buy three months ago. She's been ghosting me ever since. She came out of the closet and said, yes, uh, we've just had a few problems with timing. Can you send through your availability? I went, hallelujah, thank you, Ari, and it was today. Yep. <laughs> You're one of thousands of clients of mine who are making money because they've learned to be aware that their own languaging and behavior unconsciously is the sales blockage, not the customer, not the market, <laughs> not the product. Yeah, if you just know the shift, then... Yes. Uh, it, it will create a different response. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And, and also, uh, I, I ta you know, you, you talk about using feedback instead of follow-up or, oh, you know, I will touch base or I will. <laughs> it's like, oh, I never say that anymore. <laughs> yeah, so that's one of the key phrases that we're always using. And, and I tell my clients never, ever again use the word follow-up forever. Because the only people who use the word follow-up are salespeople. And when you call someone back and say, hi, I'm going to follow up, what are they thinking? They're thinking, oh, my God, here we go again. He All he cares about is the sales process. And that's the worst phrase to use. And the old school ones are touching base, checking in, throw them all out the window immediately. And on email, don't use it ever again. Instead, use the phrase, I'm just giving you a call to see if you have any feedback on our previous conversation. And not really even questions. It's feedback. No, no, don't ask questions. Because they're going to say to you, I've got no questions. Now you're like, oops, what do I do now? 
No, but, but feedback, that, you know, you've sent them something. There has to be feedback. Of course. And when you say feedback, what they start doing, they start talking. You're like, oh, my God, he's right. Just the one word feedback opens the whole thing up. The other thing is, and before I, I came across your system, we're talking six years ago, Ari. I've been using your system for six years very happily. Um, before that, there was uh, people were saying, well, you know, you want to act like, you know, you don't work with everybody and, uh, you know, they have to kind of justify that they qualify to work with you. And I always had problems with kind of, I knew there was something in that, but I had a feeling, well, that's not the right angle, if you want to say that. And you really gave us the right angle. Look, I think a lot of people do this art, what I call artificial posturing. <sighs> right. To, to pretend to sort of be, have limited time and they got to beg for your time. Look, if it's authentic, maybe. But the whole shift here is focusing on their problem. And if they have a problem, you're helping them unpack and it's ROI and there's an issue around it. And you ask this one question, and here it is, it's a new one for you, by the way. If you ask them this, you say, is this a priority for you to solve once and for all? Or are you having to live with it for a while and not change it? I'm okay either way. Oh, I like that. That's the definitive question that immediately pivots them to onboarding with you as a new client. So I have come up with a new system now called the One Call Sale, and I'm writing a book on it coming out next year. Oh, tell us more. <laughs> so you don't, but for the last three years, I've been in my laboratory working with private clients. And I've figured out how to finally craft the code on long sales cycles, multiple steps, and follow-up. And what I figured out is that if you can build enough trust with somebody early in the process, you can condense your sales process to one conversation. Oh, that, that would be heaven because okay. there's all these uh, statistics floating around. Is like once it used to take eight uh, touches to win a sale, now it's 11. It's like, no, you're, you're sure the, that's the wrong direction. <laughs> it's supposed to compress, not extend. Mm. If, now, you're, if, you're, if you have a long sales cycle, multiple steps, you know what that's indication of? A lack of trust at, in the beginning of your process. Yeah, true. They didn't trust you enough. That's why they're not telling you the truth. They're making dragging you out. Now, a lot of the listeners of this podcast are people managers, not necessarily sales managers. But, of course, many people managers have sales people. They might even have only one salesperson. Um, what are some of the mistakes that, whether it be a sales manager or a people manager, make sure. when overseeing and... Um, sure guiding a salesperson? Good question. There, there, there's three overarching traditional models and concepts that managers uh, typically still have in the back of their mind we need to dislodge and take out. And that's the first, here's the first one. It's a myth I call them. The first myth is this, that sales is a numbers game. That, that's the concept of the more contacts they make, the more results they're going to get. You know, we discovered in our, in our research that in this economy now, it's not about how many contacts you make anymore. It's about how deep you go on each conversation, not how many calls you make, which flips the whole model on management. Number two is the idea that the sales lost at the end of the process. We always think it's all lost at the end. What happened? You lost it. You know what we discovered? We discovered the sales not lost anymore at the end. It's lost at the beginning. And hello, I'll prove it to you right now for fun. If someone calls your office and you pick it up and you hear, hi, my name is, I'm with, we are a, what goes through your mind in about three seconds? 
They're trying to sell me something. It's over at Hello. So if you're mad, you haven't even asked me a question about what my need is. The approach is kills it at Hello. I would not be surprised if people on this call right now, managing salespeople, actually or heard their calls and were hearing that that delivery and going, oh, cringing on the rejection. Oh yeah. You hear it all the time. In fact, once I had to work with a sales team and uh, they, 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 all they wanted was the email address so they could send information. But that's what they were saying. We're just ringing to get your email address. It's like, what? <laughs> then I sort of said, what you want to do is ask a question that will grab their attention, which is, are you aware that you might be missing out on government grants to uh, hire people or whatever was uh, the angle sure. that they were after? And in this, in which case, can we please have your email address so we can keep you up to date? Sure. It made absolute sense after asking that first question. But I get people all the time asking for this and that, and I don't even know whether I have a need. Wow. Yeah. There are so many salespeople out there right now burning hours and time and company resources by playing the numbers game and not knowing how to go deep in those calls with people. Yeah. It's And is it about questions? Well, it's more than questions, more about having a mental shift in your model. Like, for instance, the way we describe it to our clients is it's got to be a patient-doctor relationship where you're the doctor and they're the patient. That's the way you have to view it. They got a problem. You got the solution. Now, doc, when, you, when you meet with a doctor and you say, my shoulder hurts, he says, let me take a look over here. Ah, oh, oh, really? We need an x-ray on this right away. We need to really understand what the core of the problem is so we can figure out what to give to you as a solution. See, what we do in sales is the minute we have we qualify somebody, we go, oh, yeah, we can help you with that. Let me show you a demo. We got a fantastic. See, we just jump in prematurely. We don't diagnose deep enough. We don't build enough trust with people. We See, I'm working on a new uh, bumper sticker right now. Yeah, it's going to be called Doctors Don't Do Coffee. Oh, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I'm going to drop a bomb here. Okay. We're listening. My whole take on this is this. And I tell my clients this, do not focus on relationship building pre-sale. You build a relationship with someone after the sale, not before, because what I discovered was that trust building and relationship building are mutually exclusive. You don't have to do both. See, people go, hi, how's it going? Nice to meet you. They try and get them to like and know them first. You know what? They don't want to like and know you. They don't care about you. What they care about is their problem, not you. But we're so used to the whole, yeah. let's have a cup of coffee. How are you doing, mate? What do you do? This whole relationship is bullshit because they know it's fake anyways. That's why doctors don't do it. Doctors don't do coffee or socialize because they know their goal is to have bedside manner and empathy and trust to solve that problem. Because when you, because here's the funny thing about this. When the potential client See, what here's what happens a lot of times. A lot of salespeople do what I call free consulting. They do free education, free consulting. They give all this free advice up front. And, and I tell my clients, stop giving value. Yes. They go, what? Free. what you stop, Ari? That doesn't make sense. I said, stop giving value. Instead, provide them with clarity on their problem. Help them understand the core of what's going on in their world. Then they'll feather the sense that, you understand them. That's real trust is resonating when they feel that you care about them. What a concept, caring about your customer in a way where they feel it. That's real trust, not the rapport building stuff. Oh, let's have a cup of coffee, mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I think the the cup of coffee is 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 really a waste of time. You can actually create rapport with a Zoom call, with a telephone call, uh, and it's you know the amount of time it takes to go there and come back. Like to me, coffee is for clients, not for potential new clients. You know, post sale, I'm okay with that. But not that's right. Sale. That's right. Makes a big difference then. So. Um, I know because I, I, you know, I, I, I work with sales teams from time to time as well. And I can remember once working with a sales team where the CEO, all he could say was to the, because they kind of confided in me, you know, thank you, Nina, for giving us all these tactics. Because uh, apparently the CEO, all he would say was, hey, guys, you just got to sell more. And not helping them uncover, well, what, who's doing the right thing? Who's getting the most sales? What's working for you? And, and getting someone in like me, which they finally did, you know, or someone like you, Ari, because you, you really have to, you can't just go by intuition what you think sales is. It's a craft. Isn't that right? Not only is that, but it requires a mindset shift where the world's changed in the last 24 months is yes. that you have to catch yourself up with the new modern times of the psychology of the buyer. Yeah. The, your buyers don't care about how you solve their problem. What they're asking themselves the entire time in the back of their mind is, do I trust him? Do I trust her? Do I trust her? Not, they don't care about how your solution works, your, your features. They, they don't care about your stuff. They care about if you, they can trust you inside their world to take care of them. That's right. And what happens in sales, we default to our product. We say, oh, it's great. You're going to love it. It's fantastic. It does this, it does that. They don't, they're not listening. They, they're just they're listening to be nice to you. But they don't care about your services. What they care about is the way you're treating them in the process. And what I like is you're very uh, good at suggesting that maybe right at the start you say, well, I'm not sure if uh, what we can help you. Please tell me more about what your situation is or what your problem is so I can work out if we'd be a good match. That, that's absolute gold, Ari. <laughs> well, that's from the mindset that when you start your conversation with somebody in a sales process, your mindset should be this. And this is a pretty advanced thinking that's black belt level, but here it comes. Your mindset should be, we probably are not a fit. Oh, and then. That's the doctor saying, I'm not going to make any assumptions until I diagnose the problem properly, do a full x-ray and see the truth of where the problem is. They don't assume anything. See, what we do in sales is we go, ooh, they're qualified. I saw them on LinkedIn. Yep, that's the CEO. It's going to be a good month this month. Hi. And, and we get all pumped up. We're like, I'm like, what? You're, you've totally, you're, you're what I call the sales prevention department. You're preventing sales because your own assumptions don't allow trust to be built. So you're saying in your head, you should always assume that it's, likely they're not a right fit? Correct, from the beginning. Then you won't fall into the bad vocabulary habits. Yes, because what happens is the reverse of that is you're yeah. hoping it'll work out and your brain's tied to the sale. You're always thinking the next step. Ooh, next step. You're not being present with them. They can tell you're not listening. Yeah. Hearing is passive. Listening is active. And what happens is if we're thinking about the next step in the back of our mind, they can tell right away you're not being present. Yeah. They were, they're not going to trust you. There have been times where clients rang me saying, we want you to do three hours on motivation. And I'm going, I'm sorry, that's not what I do. I just had a call an hour ago with a, a potential process for consulting. They wanted me to train their, their, their sales team. 
And they just, we got on the phone. They're like, yeah, we want some help with sales training. I said, you don't need sales training. They go, what? I go, let's, that's not working to focus. So let's focus on your business first. Cause I think fundamentally your, your business model is broken. They go, what? So I tend to, I just like, they think they know. Here's what I discovered. Potential clients think they know what they need, what they want, but they don't know what they need. And they don't, they're not qualified to, 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 to diagnose their own problem. And here they are saying, oh, we're looking for sales training. I, you're like, what? Let me first diagnose what, why you think that way. You have to challenge the premise of your prospect's question to you because they aren't qualified to know what their own problem is. This is a battle of control. You're either in their process or they're in your process. You just, you, it's your choice. If you want to succeed in selling, if they're not in your process, welcome the chasing game and dehumanizing numbers game and a horrible place to be. But if you choose to shift the game and your approach, you can win on this thing. And, and in my new book I'm working on right now, my bar I'm setting for people is this. If you have a qualified lead that you know they're in your zone of qualification and you have a call with them initially, you should be getting a 100% conversion on that first call if they're qualified. Well, if, I, if I want to read this book. <laughs> if they're not, guess who messed it up? You. Yeah, selling. But remember, well, in my business, if you're doing B2B, there's multiple decision makers. You're not always talking to the decision Yeah, we're not suggesting a signed contract in the first part. Oh, what I'm suggesting God. is a verbal let's move forward. Yes, yes, yes. That's the well, long call sale. That'll be interesting. But not, I want to think about it. All right. Now, one of the things in, in the part, your past writings is about businesses focusing on how much they're selling and making and not how much they're losing. Right. How does that work? That's an important component because in the one call sale process, I teach my clients how to go what I call below the iceberg. And what that means is, see, what happens in the first call with somebody, they give you their challenges, but they're very surface level, just up here. They don't, they're not deep. So you have to go below the iceberg. So if someone says, Junina, we're having challenges with our salespeople uh, regarding their performance or their ability to convert sale, whatever it might be. You got to say this. You got to say, can you tell me a little bit more about that? That's going down the iceberg, not down the sales process. It's going down where they you unpack the problem. How long has it been a problem for? Oh, really? What, what's the impact so far by not solving? Have you calculated the amount of money or opportunity lost because your people aren't performing at all? Well, of course they haven't because that's too painful to, be, to admit that. But you have to help them amplify the issue and document or at least ROI the losses that are occurring by not solving it because... You want to get to the bottom of the iceberg, which is, this, which is this question. Is this a priority for you to solve once and for all to stop the losses or not? There's that master question, that killer question that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Uh, that that's, uh, sounds like a silver bullet sort of question. <laughs> it's one of many bullets I've got. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see your, your new book when it comes out. And Ari, uh, I, you live in Australia. And before COVID, you were working in both USA half the year and Australia half the year. So you still have a lot of global clients, don't you? Sure do. Now, obviously, it's all virtual. I'm based in Sydney, been here for 20 years, got three kids. Uh, but I do all my work virtual, international, all over the world. Uh, a lot of companies in Australia as well here. So, yeah, I'm available for 
for very few people who are open-minded because it's hard to find companies that have an open-mindedness because most companies are wedded to their traditional model and are very, aren't as innovative in their sales process because they're too afraid to change. Wow. They're too afraid to unravel underneath the hood how much they're losing using their current process. I'll get a quick story for you. Um, uh, A corporate client, an opportunity last year, I did a talk for a sales team and the head of sales brought me and the CEO to, to negotiate doing something together. And I gave him my fee uh, you know, of what I charge per month to work with these guys. And we had a meeting and, and the, the head of sales says to me, um, look, your fee is quite high for a typical consultant. So we really need a proposal from you to, to submit to our board to accept that. We need you to break down what you do for us and how it all works. And, and I said to him, I don't do proposals. I don't know how to do proposals. And I'm not in the proposal business. My business is solving sales problems, not doing proposals. He's like, he was stunned. Then he says to me, he says to me, well, what, how much time do we get of you? I mean, during the next 90 days, how much of your time do we get? I hope, you know, hopefully it's significant. I said, not much time at all. In fact, this isn't about time. It's about focusing in on the issues you've got and solve them. He was stunned again. Then he asked me this. He goes, well, you know what? We're doing pretty well already. We're doing $80 million a year in revenue. I mean, why, why should we even do this? I mean, we're doing okay. And here it comes, Nina. I said to him, it's not about how much you're making. It's how much you're losing every day by chasing ghosts, following up, not converting people. It's all the losses that are occurring. They're 80% of the revenue you could be making. And then the CEO gets up. And the corner of says, all right, all right, just invoice us. Let's get started. <laughs> <laughs> no proposal, no follow-up. No just send us a bill. Let's get started. You know, every now and again, I'll even do an ROI calculation based on a formula. And, you know, sometimes if every if after the 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 you know the training, each person's made one extra sale at the average sales price. You know, sometimes it can work out to like $96,000 for the year, you know, $500,000 over five years, and you go and you just, you're balking at a, you know, whatever figure we're talking about. You know, it's like 25 times the, the potential return on investment and probably more so because of morale and, you know, better energy in the office, you know, all sorts of other uh, secondary gains. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, Ari, look, it's I could talk with you all day, and if if enough people say, "Tell us, get that Ari, Ari back," we will. We'll have a second sure. interview. So that's uh, for anybody listening. If you really like hearing what Ari Galpa has to say, just drop me a line. It's in the show notes, and uh, we'll invite him back in a few months' time. So, thank you so much for your time today, Ari. It's, Pleasure. It is illuminating speaking with you, and a true joy. Thank you. Anytime, Nina. Thank you. Today we've been speaking with uh, the expert on trust-based selling, Ari Galpa, on the Manage Self Lead Others podcast. To get in contact with Ari and to access his complimentary introductory program, go to unlockthegame.com forward slash Manage Self Lead Others and the link will be in the show notes. 
Remember to subscribe and listen to Manage Self Lead Others wherever you get your podcasts. Ciao for now. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.